to the Women's Cycling Weekly podcast. Hi, Tilda. Hello, how are you? I'm all right. Was the volume okay on that one? Apparently yes, I shouted yes. the initial intro You're that I did. way too excited about this, aren't you, Amy? I'm just stoked to be here. <laughs> what have you been up to this week? Um, not very much, you know, g- oh. getting by on the off-season. I actually watched a cross race on Tuesday uh, because here's a little secret for you. Cross-season for me is also football season so I've missed every single uh race so far because I'm always watching football so I actually watched it on Tuesday decent isn't it so you're going to the football hey who do you support again what's the tell, tell I support Reading Women FC I don't care about men's teams because I have a real commitment to women's sport that's so. very on brand and we play every Sunday pretty much so yeah that's exciting mm. maybe you can start a football podcast on the side there's not enough of those. Um, I just suppose there aren't actually that many women's ones. Or are there? No, there really aren't. There aren't. Mm, anyway, that was a tangent. But um, I also, actually, I have a confession. So you're talking about um, Coppenberg Cross, hey? Mm. So I was, like, really excited to watch it and sat down or lay down on the sofa. And I don't know why I was so tired, but I fell asleep halfway <laughs> And they woke up right at the end. Race. I mean, for all the overtures we've been making about how exciting women's cross racing is, Fem Van Empel is really just kind of proving us wrong a bit there. Like, it's she's obviously amazing, but like, she's the animator of cross at the minute, isn't she? A bit. Oh, she really is, but perhaps even more so because she could just, like, she could in theory just win every round of the World Cup. Like, she could. Yeah, Pup Peters gave her a good run for her money, and so did Sharon Van Anroy, but. Uh, sorry at the other at the last World Cup not at Coffin Bay Cross but um and like it would have been interesting to see how Pauline Ferran Prevo would have gone had she not had like a million mechanicals mm. uh good start for the Ineos Cross program there looking great on the new Pinarello Cross bike mm. is that is it a new bike is that what's going on so like it's a new uh or is it uh, one well, of those situations I, I, where it's not actually a Pinarello, but they've just painted it? No, it, it is a Pinarello. They made a cross bike, and I think Tom Pidcock was kind of riding a very, very early version of it last season. And now uh, now it's kind of fully developed, and Pauline was it for the first time. And first one was... I'm trying not to swear. First one, you the gears swear. were <laughs> fucked. <laughs> Changed bike. <laughs> same thing happened again. So, mm. Mm. Don't sue us, Pinarello. Maybe it was the mechanic. I don't know. Poor mechanic. Maybe. Is that better or worse, though? Uh, oof, yeah. Anyway, maybe she's uh, going to be going into Europeans with a bit more fire in her belly now after that. But I still don't see anyone beating Femme, especially now that Lucinda Brand has said she's not going to race after she broke her wrist, elbow. What did she break again? A hand. A hand. I believe. Yeah, that's kind of the biggest piece of cross news this week well to be honest I already assumed that she wasn't racing but then there was a little bit of talk about how she might already be feeling better even though it was already it's only two weeks ago I think this broke her hand yeah uh that she was so she was on the entry list which I think was what started these rumors but she confirmed no she will not be and you know what fair enough because the cross season's like 
got a good few months left and you can see why she'd want to make sure that she's properly healed and ready to go before she comes back to racing but yeah she won't be European champion anymore so Femme and also oh yeah on that actually for anyone who's actually interested maybe not but um Femme when I say interested I mean in cross because we're just forcing this upon you um but Femme's racing the elite race um against like Pauline and the rest um and Puck and Shirin are doing the under 23 race oh interesting yeah yeah. interesting as far as I know I could very Mm. well be wrong I usually am but that was that's what I have heard Puck is defending champion isn't she yeah she is she is I'm quite surprised I thought she might be doing the elite race Mm-hmm. um because the thing is is that these are the riders that are dominating the elite I mean there's no one in 23 world cup so they're dominating the elite world cups um anyway so it's kind of like they all race each other not usually so for them to race separately um it's quite an interesting choice if that is what's happening so um yeah she's also European mountain bike champion under 23 obviously um so yeah I guess we covered a bit of news there with the cross stuff um yeah. What else is going on? Um, speaking of Pauline from Provo, the award, the Velo d'Or. Did I say that right? I didn't. We're saying it anyway. Um, usually has like one or two token women. It's like spotty, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Like there's usually one or two token. If anyone doesn't know what that is, that's Sports Personality of the Year, the BBC thing in the UK. And um, yeah, there's usually like one or two token women nominated and then it's won by a man even though in the past it's been like Anna van der Breggen um Annemiek van Vleuten like people who by rights have been above like kind of you know they've won way more things than their male counterparts you just the dude who wins the tour or whatever but they've made a separate women's category um I was really confused because a, a lot of like different reports were saying stuff about a combined award but then there's like separate one too so I don't really know. I guess the women can be up for both. Um, oh. Maybe. I'm not sure. And it's voted for by various um, sports journalists, as far as I'm aware, as well. So the nominees are Pauline Fran Prevot, Annemiek van Vleuten, Elisa Balsamo, Marta Cavalli, Audrey Cordon Rago. Um, nice to see the track sprinter Mathilde Gross in there. Um, she was the one giving everyone evils at track wheels which was sick. Um, Lotte Capecchi, Juliette Labou, Elise Longo-Borghini, Ashley Moulin-Passio, Cecilia Ludwig, Demi Valerie, Marina Voss, and Lorena Weavers. So I actually... All the big hitters. Exactly, exactly. Should have written down when that takes place, but I haven't. Any idea? <laughs> um, it's announced in the December issue of the Venue <clears throat> magazine. I there we go. Elsewhere... Uh, we covered in the newsletter a few weeks ago or whenever that came out that um, Spanish, the Spanish Federation or like, I don't know where it was coming from, but um, Spanish continental women's teams were going to be required to provide a minimum wage this next season. Um, but that's been postponed now till 2024, which is good because it gives teams enough time to kind of get the budget to do that. Because um, I think it would have seen the end of of some teams which I think is why they've changed it um so there's that otherwise what else is going on Tilda anything it's a bit of a slow week this week 
Yeah, finally a slightly slow week. Not there's not a hundred million transfers to talk to you about. There's a couple going on. Um, maybe the headline is Rachel Nathan is continuing with our Cofidis. 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 These two red French teams are getting mixed up. <laughs> um, but next year will be her final year, so she's quite a veteran of the peloton, and will be retiring at the end of next year. Um, and a big name, Chloe Dygert, who has been kind of out of the picture for a little while. She's made a comeback from injury at the start of this year and then uh, came down with Epstein-Barr virus. Uh, She is hoping to come back to racing in February. So a couple of things to look forward to next season. Indeed. All right. So with that covered, um, who have we got on the pod this week? We have Emilia Moberg, who is a pretty long-standing character of the peloton. She's a Norwegian rider and she retired officially this year but she actually hasn't raced since last year because she suffered a concussion um during the first Paris Bay which put her out of action for a long time and she kind of never had the right moment to come back this year um but yeah she's as I say she's been racing for a long time I think this is her 13th season as a professional she kind of came up through the high-tech products team um as you know kind of a a very successful long-standing Norwegian team um, and then more recently, she's been riding for Drops slash Le Wahoo for the last few years. So, yeah, we kind of spoke to her. To be honest, more of our conversation is about her decision to retire and what she's been doing since then and what she's going to do in the future. Um, so, yeah, she's a very interesting character. She knows a lot about um, nutrition and health in the sport. So we kind of delved into a few of those things and we hope that you will enjoy our conversation with her. So let's hear from Amelia. Welcome to the Women's Cycling Weekly podcast, Amelia Mobig. Uh, how are you doing? Great to have you on. Thank you. I'm happy to join. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, change of uh, situation from being an athlete full time uh, to yeah, working and studying full time, which is a bit different. Yeah, take us through that because um, so you your final two years of your career, you raced or three years, sorry, for um, drops, and then they went on to be called Lakal Wahoo. Um, but although you were contracted with them this season, you didn't actually get to race um, because of the effects of a crash at Paru Bay last year. Um, yeah, just talk to us a bit about that. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I crashed in uh, Paris-Roube in October last year. Um, and um, yeah, I had a, a pretty hard uh, concussion uh, from that crash, uh, which uh, yeah caused me a lot of trouble and a very long rehabilitation. Um, so I thought, uh, yeah, it's possible to come back to the season. And yeah, just a few weeks after the crash, I felt so much better. But still, I had problems with um, some symptoms. Uh, it's a bit like a dizziness, but not really like the normal dizziness you think of, like when you're going to amusement park and you feel like dizzy. Uh, it's not that kind of dizziness. It's more like, yeah, the feeling of being on a boat, if you know what I mean. It's it's super weird, but I think um, with a concussion, it's uh, nothing is normal. I think like some some people they have symptoms with the. Uh, yeah, their vision. Some people have headache. Uh, yeah, some people they struggle with balance. 
and yeah, for me, uh, I had a dizziness and it lasted for really long. Um, we did all kind of trainings and uh, yeah, I went to the physio uh, a lot <laughs> and we checked everything. But uh, yeah, in the end, I just had to like slowly, slowly increase training and also yeah, daily life. Um, the first few weeks and months, I was not really able to live uh, a normal life, <laughs> which is really, really different than being an athlete uh, on top of the game. Um, so yeah, for sure, it was a hard year uh, <clears throat> struggling with that. Uh, and it was hard not coming back to racing. But I think uh, when I'm looking back now, I'm just happy to be back to normal life. And yeah, I can train whatever I want now. Um, don't feel any worse with that. So yeah, <clears throat> it is is not nice <laughs> having a one year uh, rehabilitation, but yeah, I'm happy I'm, I'm here now with the situation. And uh, yeah, of course I wanted to finish my career in a race. <laughs> like, okay, this is my last race. I didn't know that Paris-Roubaix was gonna be my last race as a professional athlete, but yeah, it was. <laughs> Yeah, kind of sorry to kind of start on like a, a bad note there, but obviously um just kind of I guess that's where we're at at this point with your career. But I mean, before that you were pro for a long time, I think 12 years, so since 2010. So you've seen women cycling kind of go through huge changes. Um how what's that been like kind of experiencing such a broad spectrum of of the sport? Yeah, um, I turned professional in 2010, I think. <laughs> it makes you feel a little bit old. <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, 12 years is correct, yeah. Um, and really a lot has changed um, since, uh, yeah, 2010. We, we I think there was maybe two races that was broadcasted on TV. I think it was Olympics and then the World Championship. <laughs> which is really strange to think about now um so <clears throat> now you can watch almost every race uh on some kind of stream or on television and uh yeah we race all the big races uh the classics in the spring and now we are to the france uh, the giro almost all the big <laughs> races as the men are racing which we didn't have in 2010 um yeah we did het nieuwsblad uh, Flanders, uh, Flesh Vallon, but yeah, <laughs> none of the other big ones. So it's a big, big difference. Uh, also, how <clears throat> the peloton is riding, is, I also feel it's a big difference. Uh, there is bigger teams, more teams, more professional teams, uh, starting to look more and more like the men's racing. <laughs> um, now, also next year, we will have bigger teams go from six to seven into the France and and things like this um so it's really growing and it's been 10 years with a big big change <laughs> and I think uh, yeah as an as a rider who has this experienced those 10 years you really appreciate <laughs> uh, what's what has been done um and the level we are now um and I think yeah younger riders now coming into the sport uh, they're entering the sport in a really good uh, timing <laughs> uh, it's really promising now you can go into the sport you can have the safety because you know you will have a salary uh, you will have <clears throat> insurance 
uh, yeah, you see more riders, they have maternal leave. And yeah, I think 10 years ago, if you had a kid, you would be like, yeah, I have to stop or I have to take uh, at least uh, two, three years off and then coming back. So it's a different world for a female cyclist now than what it was. And for you personally, like the 10, 11, 12 years in sport, obviously it's changed a lot, but you've done a lot in that time. And I guess you've had a bit of time to reflect, but like, what were the highlights for you in that um, big, long part of your life? Yeah, <laughs> the highlights is always difficult uh, to answer. <laughs> um, but yeah, for sure, <clears throat> being in the Olympics was really a big event for me. Uh, also having world championship on home soil in uh, Bergen uh, 2017, uh, which was a really great experience. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, uh, some of my UCI victories together with the teams are really special, uh, especially the ones you you really remember that the whole team was in it and we won it together. Um, but I am looking back to also just a lot of nice teams and people you meet <laughs> along the road. And some of them are really close friends, uh, which I hope will stay for yeah, a long time after your cycling life as well, which I think. Um, and yeah, when you're looking back, uh, you also see how your your change uh, during the years. Like, I'm not the same now as when I entered the sport as a 19 years old. Uh, you learn a lot uh, along the along the way, um, and you grow because yeah, you're really. Uh, it's up to yourself to 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 make it, if you know what I mean. Like um, you become very uh, independent, I think, uh, as an athlete, because you you know what the goals are and you work to achieve it. Uh, most of the times, together with a team, but you know that if you don't do your work, yeah, it, nobody's going to do it for you. <laughs> so yeah, a lot of good good values, I think uh you can bring out from the sport um and during that time is there anything that you think oh I wish I'd done this race or I wish I'd won this like have you got any any unfulfilled kind of goals that you had during your career Mm, (laughs) yeah I have one at least (laughs) um uh, we have a goal to race in Norway called uh yeah now it's tour of Scandinavia but it was ladies tour of Norway and uh, I have a third place and a second place but I never won a stage <laughs> which was really on my bucket list but yeah I, I didn't succeed in that but <laughs> it was really special special to be on the podium for sure um, <laughs> but yeah a week through there would be super nice <laughs> yeah no, I mean I, w- I wanted to kind of ask you about that race later but as soon as you've, you've mentioned it obviously it's your dad who who runs it and it's kind of like a family thing so like as you were saying off mic now you're you're studying and and you want to work as you're going to work as a nutritionist but you're kind of going to still be a bit involved in the sport with this race um so yeah talk me through that experience kind of having this family event that's now a world tour race and a big race on the calendar yeah uh it started um I think uh, maybe after Olympics 2012, we were like looking at the calendar and it's like, ah, there are some big races, UCI races for the men in Norway, but there is no UCI race for the for the female side. 
and like, ah, we have to do something about it. <laughs> we need the UCRAs in, in Norway. Um, and then, yeah, my dad, he was like, yeah, we, we do this. We're going to make a race in our hometown. And yeah, some really positive people in my hometown and also outside of the, the town. Um, they come together, made this race, and it was a 2.2 race the first time in 2014. Uh, a small race, but I remember uh, Marianne Vos was there <laughs> and uh, Rabobank, they really dominated the race. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was super nice from the start, even if it was a small race. And uh, it just um, become bigger and bigger every year. Uh, and I saw all the hard work behind the race. Uh, yeah, since my dad is um, the race <clears throat> director, uh, and then of course my uncle is there, <laughs> my mom is in it, <laughs> everyone from my family. <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, uh, you see how much work there is behind uh, a big race like this. And it was also very important for uh, female riders in Norway to have this race, because then, yeah, it was on TV. Uh, we had a chance to, to show our sport uh, to show Norway there's also female riders <laughs> not just uh, guys who is on their bikes <laughs> so I think also for the um, recruitment uh, yeah the building up of uh, women's uh, cycling in Norway this race has been really important and what was it like being there this year obviously for the new expanded version but was it kind of bittersweet to not be racing as well we saw that you were riding up the hills in your chicken soup but it's not quite the same is it I guess no uh yeah it was really hard <clears throat> to not be on the start line there uh it was really my big motivation of coming back to racing uh this race and when I understood uh during the summer the late of July I was like I'm not able to to come back to this race yeah of course it was super hard but I prepared to, to come there as well and help my team in a different way, which was super nice to have a task to do. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I remember the first stage in uh, Copenhagen. Uh, I was there uh, at the start line. And when I saw them uh, riding out there uh, and I saw the flag like oh, going down, then oh, yeah, I had to cry. <laughs> it was not nice. Uh, but luckily I had my brother there so he could give me a hug and then yeah I cried for a few minutes and like nope stop go on <laughs> and yeah after that it was better but of course it was it was a bit hard especially the last stage as well uh we're finishing my hometown and everyone was there uh but yeah I couldn't race so for sure different but also it was nice to be there uh and do something yeah, and we can't um we can't talk about the race without asking you about the chicken suits and the <laughs> the moves. Where does that come from? Because it's fantastic. Like it's such a cool like character to the race. But yeah, what what's the story behind that? <laughs> uh, I think <laughs> my dad started it a few years ago. Um because uh, he wanted to do something to create a bit of attention <laughs> to the race <laughs> when we did that uh, hill uh, finish in the town. <clears throat> so, yeah, that was the start of it. And then, yeah, I think he thought it was really fun as well. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, the, the TV loved it. So <laughs> they continue. So now it's just the thing that he always takes this chicken suit out when <laughs> there is something... <laughs> 
yeah so this year we were like okay i'm not gonna race then for sure i'm gonna be a chicken in that climb <laughs> we need to do something <laughs> so yeah <clears throat> there was two chicken and one moose in the climb this year which was super fun and also super warm <laughs> Yeah, was it like riding a bike in one of those? I can imagine it's quite difficult. <laughs> and it was like one of the very few days with 28 degrees in Norway. <laughs> it was uh, very humid. <laughs> and you spoke a little bit about there, about it was kind of July time where you kind of then knew that you wouldn't be racing. But when was the decision made that you knew, like when did you know that you wouldn't come back to racing or that, or that this would be your last year? Was that kind of made over a few months or was it kind of a particular thing that made you decide um i think um or i know that i made a decision already last year um when i signed uh for the team one more year uh i told uh, tom that yeah it's gonna be my last year (laughs) for sure um yeah because I, i felt it was the right timing to do the last year um i'm I'm still not uh, like really tired of the cycling life. Uh, I think I could have done a few more years, uh, but also I, I felt like it's time to do something different. Um, but I'm happy I can stop now um, and I still love the sport. It's not like I hate my bike, <laughs> which uh, is nice, uh, but for sure I wish... <clears throat> that my last year was a bit different uh not a rehab year but a year where I was racing and and had fun with the team uh on races um for sure I think that's how every rider wants to have their end of their career but yeah it was already planned before the year so it was not because of the crash that I stopped even though I didn't come back to racing after the crash <laughs> You didn't um, race with the team this year, but I saw that you were, because you were telling us before recording that you're studying um, nutrition and you were working with the team a little bit around that. Um, so, yeah, kind of just talk to us a bit about your your studies and where you're going next with that. Yeah, I've been studying um, as a, a part-time uh, while also racing. Um, so now I'm in my last year of my master's degree in clinical nutrition. Um, so I do my master thesis this year um, and I start working a little bit as well <laughs> uh, at the Olympic uh, Center here in Oslo, uh, where I work with um, uh, athletes, sports nutrition. Um, and I'm also going to stay with the team next year to help a little bit with nutrition. That's the plan. <laughs> there is nothing signed yet, but uh, that's the plan. Um, in that way I can also stay a bit with the sport and uh, hopefully I can help the riders a bit with food and yeah preparations and just making it less stress for them uh, and maybe we can find some places we can have some gains on the nutrition part <laughs> yeah because it, it's obviously a really important element to the sport but obviously in the past teams haven't had the budget or the resources to have a nutritionist on board so yeah have you found that something really like a game changer in your own racing like you know to pay attention to nutrition yeah I think so um also yeah like we spoke about earlier uh it's been happening so much with the sport the last 10 years and I think nutrition is also a part of that 
uh, we are more aware of uh, our needs and where we can do uh, small changes to have gains in uh, our performance. Um, I see a big change how we use pro uh, sports products now than what we did years ago. And I think we never thought about how many grams of carbohydrate you needed every hour racing. <laughs> You're just like, yeah, it's racing. You do some energy drink, you do some gels, but yeah, you just did it because you knew, yeah, that's yeah how you do it. <laughs> but now it's more into details. <clears throat> you know a bit what you need in um, different type of racing. And also, yeah, hydration. Um, for example, when Radish did uh, uh, Tokyo, I think those who prepared for the heat and also hydration plan there, um, it was a big part of the performance. We also saw in, in Doha and World Championship, we we did like really acclimatiza acclimatization <laughs> to the heat. And a big part of that was uh, nutrition. And yeah, <clears throat> with bigger stage races now, I think also... Riders have to look a bit more into how they're building up their nutrition plan for it uh, in terms of uh, it, it's a long stage race. Uh, it demands more. Um, you see Tour de France. Uh, I think when you look at um, the men's racing there and how they prepare for it, uh, going to altitude, yeah, doing small um, adjustments for their body weight uh, just to perform at their very best at this race. I think we're going to see more of this also in the um, women's peloton. Yeah, to go back briefly to your point about the preparing for the Tour de France and that sort of thing and weight in the sport, because obviously it's such a big element of, of performance. But especially for women, it's quite a fine balance, um, getting the right nutrition and eating the right amount of food. I think there's an old school mentality of kind of like eat less and train more, which is obviously really damaging and can be especially damaging for women. So... Is that an area that you focus on or? I think it's a really important thing to talk about uh, as well. Uh, I think, yeah, you all have to, to look into which rider uh, you're talking to, of course, like younger riders. Yeah, the, the first priority should be to, to have enough, uh, I think. Uh, but as you get older and more experienced, of course, uh, yeah, your body composition is, is important to optimize optimize it uh, and yeah it is really difficult as a female uh, athlete because yeah you want to you want to have the the gains of uh, eating the right stuff and having a, a body composition that's yeah optimal um, but also you need to take care of your health and uh, especially uh, women um, we are not men <laughs> I think for men it's a bit easier because uh, they are not going to have a kid uh, <laughs> when they uh, get a bit uh, older um, so it's just more difficult uh with the uh, with girls um and also yeah i think one thing i really would like to to achieve or i don't know achieve but uh, have um uh, a focus on um would be to have a healthy relationship with food um after your career as well like i think a lot of riders, uh, athletes, they they focus so much on the nutrition when they are an athlete that, yeah, it's gonna affect them for a long time. And uh, yeah, if you can keep a, a good relationship with food during your career, I think it's super important. Um, so, how to do that? <laughs> 
And it's something that you know a lot about through your studies and your experience, but do you think there's enough understanding in the sport at the moment about, well, nutrition and weight and body and how that can affect you? Or is there still kind of learning to be done in the wider sport? Um, I think it's really becoming better. Um, it's more information, uh, yeah, more like this, like podcasts, you can listen to more information um, uh, on online uh, courses. Uh, yeah, social media, it's really a lot. Uh, yeah, of course, you have to be a bit um, critical about what you uh, take in <laughs> on social media. Um, could also be wrong information. Uh, but yeah, I think it's really growing, um, the knowledge. But still, there is a lot of um, science that needs to be done, <laughs> especially uh, on women. Um there is not a lot of science done and then it's also hard to conclude something <laughs> because yeah uh, you need more science um but yeah it's really it's really growing um and uh, i think also just talking about it uh, between athletes and having a good environment in the teams uh, to just talk about issues or yeah helping each other it's super important it sounds like um i know so- some people kind of retire and stop cycling and want to get away from it a little bit but it sounds like you're not ready to kind of stop being involved in the sport at all no I I hope I can stay uh, in sport as well um now it feels like uh, a good thing to do um and yeah if I can I can help the riders a bit with nutrition um and uh, also in Norway um I'm starting now to work with an organization that's gonna um, uh, look a bit more into how we can get equal opportunities uh, for uh, women in sport, uh, especially than younger girls, um, which also is, I think, is a nice way to stay in the sport to to help to grow the um, the uh, female part of it. Yeah. And um, one thing I wanted to ask you a little bit about this is a bit of a different topic, but. Norway is not a massive cycling country I mean if you want to be a skier or a winter Olympian like it's a great country but what was it like kind of uh, growing up as a cyclist and turning pro in in a country where it's kind of yeah not not a big sport yeah it's correct it's a little bit cold up here (laughs) it's perfect for skiing but yeah um, the winters are hard for a cyclist in Norway so um, yeah you have to travel a lot to Spain um during the winter to have some miles on your bike uh and yeah you also just learn to love your uh indoor um trainer <laughs> and to do a lot of uh, trainings on your um kicker um and yeah yeah i in the winter i also go skiing as uh, endurance uh training uh or i put uh, studded tires on my mountain bike and then go riding on the snow which is actually really nice <laughs> when it's not too cold <laughs> But um, yeah, uh, we are not a big cycling country, but um, it's really growing. Uh, it's more and more riders. And now we have um, a UNOX, the, the team, a world tour team mm-hmm. for, for women and also a big uh, uh, team for the guys, which also try to be world tour next year, I think. But I don't know if they will become world tour or not. But yeah, it's it's cool for a small country. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, and for training wise, um, for cycling, I think um, depends a bit also where you live in Norway. 
because where I'm from, my family, it's a bit more south. They almost don't have snow. <laughs> so then it's almost possible to ride your bike the whole year, but a bit more north and also here in Oslo, it's a bit colder. So you cannot really ride your road bike from November till yeah, February. <laughs> that must have been interesting before Zwift was invented, <laughs> just sitting on the train. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you get used to it. <laughs> <laughs> and um, kind of outside of, I mean, I'm sure you haven't got a whole lot of time left when it, you finished uh, riding and studying and everything. But what what are your interests and kind of what what does a typical day in the life look like for you? Yeah, <clears throat> at the moment, <laughs> um, I try to to have some uh, training done every day uh, but yeah it's not uh, the same amount of hours <laughs> as uh, as when I was um, competing for sure it's not enough time for it um, but yeah in the morning or in the afternoon um, and then I go to the um, uh, university for my master thesis uh, and work there uh, now um, from yeah it's actually the whole day <laughs> With the uh, yeah scientists who I just really try to learn everything from now, just soaking it up and um, doing a lot of tests now uh, for the master thesis, which is super interesting. Um, and then yeah, one day in the week I go to the Olympic Center and then yeah, I work there uh, with athletes, uh, but also with the team there. There is four nutritionists, so we. Uh, work together which is super nice because the three others they have experience so I can learn from them um, and yeah uh, I'm my interest is also to cook <laughs> make food <laughs> um, and yeah uh, there's not much time left then <laughs> so Netflix uh, in the evening maybe if I have time <laughs> and yeah oh, uh, we also have a little puppy now <laughs> which needs a bit oh. of attention but not on full time <laughs> oh no so cute we both love dogs what kind of puppy what kind of dog uh, a big pet oh yeah so it's so kind of a race dog but she's still just six months so little puppy <laughs> oh what's her name uh sniff <laughs> oh so cute do you Aww. know the finnish uh mummy Mummy? No, okay. No. It's, for the ki- it's for the kids. And there is a character there with the name Sniff, and she looks like that character. <laughs> Aww. That's is so that cute. something you've always wanted? Like when you were racing, did you want to have a dog and you couldn't with all the travel? Or no? No. Just... <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually not the dog person. <laughs> okay. But, but my, my boyfriend wants the dog. And then, yeah, I said, yeah, okay, we try. And now I love it. So <laughs> now you're a dog person. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's great. Um, and finally, just to kind of combine those two topics of kind of your nutrition and, and Norway, what is a typical Norwegian dish or what is something that you would cook that represents Norway, I guess? <laughs> I think all my teammates would know this answer. <laughs> Uh, I would say salmon, <laughs> Norwegian salmon. Mm. Yeah, uh, potatoes and like greens. That would be a really typical Norwegian meal. Um, but also a lot of meat. We have a lot of meat. 
also lamb is really a lot used um meatballs like sweden <laughs> yeah but i would say the salmon i would i would uh, give you salmon if you come here for dinner <laughs> okay nice and healthy as well <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay well thanks so much for joining us i mean it's been great to talk to you um i feel like we've learned a lot and um yeah it's just kind of it's great to hear about someone who's had such a long career in the sport and kind of everything you've you've seen and done so yeah thanks a lot for your time and uh yeah thanks for joining us okay everyone round Amelia's for dinner then huh although you're vegan till dinner so you're not going to be taking part in the salmon yeah which is a shame I do feel like you know like wild Norwegian line caught salmon like that's probably fine isn't it like it's free range you're gonna be flexy just for that to be fair I feel like it would be worth it no offense to all the vegans out there but like I mean I'm vegetarian or I'm supposed to be vegetarian but I'm like the world's worst vegetarian um I'm obsessed with the races where you can like win food so arctic race of Norway you can win your weight in salmon and Mm. parry camembert you win like an enormous wheel of camembert so if I was a pro, I would always be just focusing on those. A male pro that is. Targeting those yeah. particular races. And then at the end of the year. I'm going to send Sam to these races. Yeah. Bring, like, not me saying that as if I have the capacity to send him to. <laughs> me just phoning off his team. Like, you have to send him to these races because we need food. <laughs> They'll be like, do we not pay you enough? Um, anyway. Food on the table. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Also, a cyclist weight in anything is not very much, is it? Unfortunately. No, that is true. Like 50 kilos, isn't it? Yeah. Peak. I'm also more interested in the ones where you can win like live animals. I might start like a little farmyard based just on that. If I was a cyclist, I'd be like, right, yeah. I want a pig, a little cow. I, I want one of those uh, X2O uh, ducks now. Have you seen them? The one on Tuesday was haunted. Oh my God. <laughs> no. With the I cobbles. I like it. It looked terrifying. <laughs> But yes, the one of those ducks. Actually, I was I did say to someone, I was like, "Can you win me a duck one day, please?" But based off his cross uh, track record last year, maybe not. Yeah, Amelia kind of mentioned that maybe she'd be working with uh, the team again next year as their nutritionist. So one, good to see more teams having um, nutritionists on board because it is a really important factor. And two, would be really nice to to see her like stay involved in the sport and you know maybe see her at a race and stuff. So yeah. Um, as always thanks for listening to the podcast and we will be back next week as usual it seems to be a theme now actually no we did know who we were having last week didn't we 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 are organized Mm. we Mm. had that planned already let's pretend that we still are organized we will have somebody we may be back next week we're doing this we are professional (laughs) no we yeah we'll be back at some point and in the meantime if you are new here and you don't know where we come from we come from a newsletter and originally called women's cycling weekly you can check that out on substack if you're enjoying the podcast please like and subscribe as adam buxton would say which basically means like subscribe and give us a nice rating if you want to give us a horrible rating please refrain from doing that because it would not be fun um i'm gonna stop talking now i think that's a good idea Thanks. Bye. (laughs) See you later.
Beauty, my heart, a rich man. 